Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. This podcast is designed to hold space for honest conversations. From purity culture to faith, sexuality, relationships, identity, culture, deconstruction, and more. My hope is to look doubt in the face, be curious, seek God, and ask meaningful questions to address any elephant in the room with openness, nuance, and grace. I won't pretend to be an expert and definitely don't have all the answers. And though it may feel easier and more comfortable to exist in the black and white, I invite you to discover God with me in the gray and unexpected spaces. So whoever you are, whatever you do or don't believe, you are welcome here and have a seat at this table. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes. So each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And while you're at it, if you feel so inclined, leave us a five-star rating and written review. It would be so helpful to get our message out there. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris, and a special shout out and thank you to Newsstand Studio here at Rockefeller Center. Thank you for hosting and producing my podcast. Y'all are freaking awesome. You can follow along at Rockefeller Center on Instagram and Rock Center NYC on Twitter for you Twitter folks. And now into today's episode. All right. Last week, we had Manuel Reyes on from the Knights at the Roundtable podcast. If you didn't listen, we do a fun episode on double standards. So go check that out. He's back again. We're doing a three-part series called He Said, She Said. And today, I don't know what's about to happen, but I I feel really good about it. And I have stress balls in both of my hands. (laughs) Not because I'm stressed out about this conversation, mainly because I'm so freaking fidgety. I don't know how to sit still, but I thought it was funny. (laughs) <laughs> All right. We're talking about the TV show Sex Life today on Netflix. So yeah. you ready for that, Manuel? I am. I love that show. Okay. That, okay. So that was my question. I couldn't remember if you had seen it or not. I have seen it. And most people, I mean, like my wife won't watch it because anything that has to do with cheating, she don't like. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> I love watching other people and true life stories when it comes to cheating because, you know, I have a new mentality on cheating and how it happens and... I have a lot of sympathy and empathy for it yeah. when it happens, you know? So it's it's different for me. I like learning from other people's mistakes. For sure. Caveat, we're going to give away a bunch of spoilers. So if you haven't seen Sex Life, watch <laughs> it. But we're also going to give away some spoilers. All right. <sighs> let's just give a general description of what the show is. I would love to hear it from your perspective, and then I can share my perspective. It's about a, a girl who used to be saucy. In her in her heyday, and uh, was with another saucy Aussie, <laughs> and uh, you know they had some stuff. They had some some crazy times. I can total relate. And then uh, she ends up getting married and settling into more of a suburban life with a safer character, which is her husband. So she has what you would consider the American dream: nice house, they got money, kids, everything's good. Husband is hot, all that you know. Good stuff. Uh, But then old character comes back into play. She starts wondering what she had. Is she missing something? And that curiosity ends up leading her to a place where she inquires, indulges, and decides to give it a go. I'm not going to say the end just in case people want to actually watch it, but it's basically that. It's... The, the typical story of, you know, grass is greener on the other side. Um, when life gets too comfortable or complacent, you start looking at what's wrong. When you zoom out of that, you realize, man, you have a really good life, but some people want to learn the hard way. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, I feel like that's a fair, good, good description you got there. Yeah. Of the show. When I think about this show, what stood out to me instantly and haunted me and this is like in the I feel like in the first few minutes of of the show is yeah you have this woman and she lived in New York City when she was single 
and, you know, dancing on tables, having awesome sex with all these, you know, different people. And she says something along the lines of, like, the life I have today, the husband I have, if I had to do it all over, like, I would choose him. He's my best friend. He's a great guy. He's the person that I want to be the father of my children. But now she's in this, you know, she has, she has a newborn. So there's, and they don't go into this at all, which I think is a disservice, but she's postpartum. So there has to be some postpartum depression going on there, but she has toddlers and it's just that monotony of, of diapers and her and her husband haven't had sex in a long time. And he doesn't seem to be as interested anymore. And so she's fantasizing about her old life. And a part of her wonders like, is that old part of me gone? Like that one that could like go and go dancing until the we are in the morning. Is that like super sexy part of me? Is that person just like gone and dead? So I think there's that part of the show that I think whether she was like married to this person or not, like when we go into different seasons, like I can even look back, man, my first few years in New York, I went out all the time. I was out until five o'clock in the morning. I was dancing, getting VIP, going bottle service, all of that. And now I'm like, well, first of all, that just makes me tired to think about. (laughs) (laughs) But is that person still there? And then the big question that she has that has haunted me is she says she 85% of her life is everything she always wanted. Yeah. And the 15%, the, the only thing that's missing now is that like crazy hot sex. And so she's like, do I give up the 85% for the 15? And then I think the question underneath the question for me is, can you have both? Like, is it possible to have 100%, 100% of the time? So Ah, man, yeah, I haven't seen it in my life, like at least, or my friend's life, Mm. you know, maybe there's sometimes a unicorn couple that is always sexually active, but they're not at the financial status that this character is. Mm. So it's different, right? Because you give up a lot on the way to success. You know, the, the, the guy, the husband on in the show is super successful. So he works a lot. Mm. So when you said he wasn't, you know, they haven't had sex in a while or it, it hasn't been steamy is because nine times out of 10 in his mind, he's always concentrating on work and he has to get the next big thing and he's working Mm. on big deals and blah, 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 which is how they afford the big house and all the stuff. Right. So it takes a lot of mental power and energy to do that. And at the end of a day, somebody like that, who's that high functioning successful person is tired at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So trying to be a stallion in bed ain't, which is always funny because when you see the the movies, they always show the, you know, the free bird, the free spirit who's just living on, you know, just has time to work out, has time to whatever. And they're the freaking sex god, you know, <laughs> like they just, you know, wander around town and they're just, you know, but you know, you don't ever see like the high powered CEO unless, you know, you're including Fifty Shades of Grey. And I guess that's just... He inherited his money though. Yeah. I think he, I think he inherited <laughs> it. So it's different. It's yeah. different. Well, the libido or the responsibility is the number one killer of libido. And I think yeah. that's something that we don't we don't talk about a lot. I think wh- I talked with a bunch of my girlfriends that are stay-at-home moms living in the burbs and asked them to watch this show. And my girlfriend sent me this like 20 minute voice memo. She was like, I so resonate with this. She's like, I'm bored at home all day, you know, and he's working and I want to have sex and he comes home and he's too tired or he can't get it up, which is a real reality in this TV show. And so she's fantasizing about the guy who could always get it up. And I think we, I feel like culture and, and in the church too, we're always just talking about, you know, guys think about sex all the time. Like every five seconds, guys thinking about naked ladies or whatever. And it's like, we don't ever talk about what happens like when the woman's sex drive is higher than the men's sex drive. Like, I don't think that that's a conversation that we have a lot. And the more I talk to my girlfriends, the more I see like sex drive is different for everyone. Yeah. What do you think? it tapers off. Like 
I remember like in my 20s, I was super sexually always like, you know, down like all mm-hmm. the time. And when I got married, like immediately my sex drive takes a, a plunge mm-hmm. and I couldn't understand why. My brother's a doctor. So he was like, hey, man, that happens to a lot of guys like past 30, like their sex drive starts plummeting and then the girl starts going up. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Because this feels so weird and hasn't, like, I didn't even choose it. it has nothing to do with anyone or anything. It just literally just kind of like started going down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, my body kind of played a trick on me, you know, and it's, and it's hormones started going down. Um, what's the testosterone, my testosterone. Like, I don't even know these, I didn't know these things had to play a part in Mm. sex. And I didn't, I, for 10 years, low testosterone, I'm sluggish. My sex drives low, all this stuff. And I finally, uh, sign up to take blood work from this place called next health. And I start doing IV therapy and, and they did a baseline test on me and they're like, man, your, your testosterone level is like at 300. Oh, wow. And she's like, I'm like, was well, that bad? She's like, healthy men are 950 to 1200. I'm like, so I'm basically the testosterone level of a girl. They're like, <laughs> you're, you're getting there. And I'm like, well, what does testosterone do? And they're like, well, it helps with your immunity system, which is I'm always getting sick. Oh, wow. Helps with your sex drive. Um, my sex drive went down. Um, helps with you being able to burn fat. I could never get rid of my my midsection. Mm-hmm. Like all this stuff testosterone does. Sleep helps you with sleep. My sleep's always whack. So I started taking testosterone and then a lot of things started getting better. But who tells you that stuff? Like you don't you don't know that that's gonna happen to you. You may you may mess up and start thinking, oh, it's because of the person that I'm with. Mm-hmm. I'm not attracted anymore. They don't do it for me. There's so many other pretty people out there. Which look, there are always a lot of pretty people out there. I'm not going to lie. I live in LA. So it's like, I can walk out at any time of the day and find a thousand prettier people than me or my wife. Mm-hmm. But at some point it has to be more than that. You know, like I, th- I think when it comes to sex now, I have it more so for the depth and not for the fleshly side of it like and fleshly is the wrong word what do you mean by that it's no longer because oh she's hot i just want to have sex with her Mm -hmm. now it's like when we have sex like we're literally building a life Mm. and that became more appealing to me like we're doing something that's building upon a relationship that i hope lasts Mm -hmm. till i'm like 90 you know as opposed to oh i'm just gonna sleep with the person because they're hot because in marriage hot isn't based on looks because you can be the hottest chick ever but when you're in an argument or you're disrespecting me like I, I don't even see the hot I don't even see it. it doesn't even register all I see is somebody who's disrespected me and I want nothing to do with them yeah well and I've I feel like I've felt that those same things with man I feel like I've dated the hottest guys in the room And I remember I dated this one guy and I thought he was like the finest thing that had walked this planet. And we had a tumultuous on and off thing when I was in my 20s. And I remember even after we broke up for years, I was like, no one's going to compare to the attraction that I felt towards this guy. Like that hot. But he was a jerk. Mm. He treated me terrible, ran around on me, gaslighted me manipulated me all the time. And we reconnected some years later. And I remember seeing him and I was shocked at how I was like, I know objectively I'm looking at a good looking person, but I had zero attraction to him. Mm. I lost all sexual chemistry and attraction towards him because of his personality And how he treated me and how he was when we fought or when that conflict came up. And, and I think the other has been really true for me too. I have met guys and dated guys. I remember I dated this one guy, I called him my lost puppy. He was, I guess I shouldn't give too many details about him, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but he wasn't the cutest guy, you know, like 
just really wasn't. He always seemed like he was a little dirty. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't do that. <laughs> like a little damp and like sweaty and like you know that he just like had those one pair of jeans and threw them off at night and like put them back on the next morning. Didn't really wash them a lot, but he was such a sweetheart. And the more I got to know him, and I was like, he's the hottest guy on the yeah. street right now because of his heart. And yeah, it wasn't like he was some like, you know, troll walking around, although he may have been like Linus with like the steam cloud around <laughs> yeah. him. But when I liked him, it didn't matter. I was so attracted to him. Oh my God. And the same is on the, on the adverse is true. I, I was dating a professional cheerleader before Ange and um, she was a Laker girl. And I mean, she's the type of girl that as soon as you walk in, everyone's looking at her, you know, it's just, we were just like that couple. And as I got to know her more, like she would come over the house. We'd like stay in all day. And eventually it's like, yo, are you hungry? Are you whatever? No, I'm good. You know, do you want to go get breakfast? No, I'm, you know, in order to stay in shape because professional cheerleading is so like rigorous, like they judge you like hardcore. Uh, she just basically ate when she was starving. Like she would oh. not eat as long as she could and then scarf down a big plate of food. Like when she couldn't take it no more. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, and she was a sweetheart, like she was, she had the heart to match her beauty. Right. But when I found, when I saw how she kept her beauty up, it gave me a peek into what she really felt about herself, how she, how she sees herself, how she sees life. When I try to intervene and be like, hey, do you do understand? Like, even scientifically, this is not good for you. Like, your body's mm -hmm. in starvation mode. It's going to hold on to all the fat. She just couldn't not do it. Mm -hmm. And it became insanely unattractive to me. Yeah. Because I'm like, if you can't understand what healthy is, then you're going to make decisions based on your emotions and not like on truth. And I cannot even begin to be attracted to somebody who's like that. Yeah. Well, it also sounds like she had a pretty intense and crippling eating disorder addiction. Yeah. And that, and I've, I'm, I've recovered from an eating disorder. And when you're neck deep in it, it is, Oh, it's so, so hard. Um, you know, she's neck deep in her eating disorder. And one thing that I believed that I think a lot of women can believe is in my addiction, in my eating disorder, I believed when I met some amazing guy that it would heal me. Yeah. Because his validation of me, his affirmation of me would make that struggle go away. And right. I know now that that doesn't work that way. Like body image, insecurities, none of that can go away as, as you experienced in relationship. Yeah. Like, cause I would compliment her all day. I could, I would just be like, man, you're so beautiful. Like, please just be healthy. Like this is going to hurt you, you know? And I, I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't mean to sound cold when, or when I said I couldn't be with her because of that, but it's something that if like, when you realize that you are, cannot help that person and nor does that person want you to help them. Yeah. They have decided to do what they're going to do, whether it's good or not. That's when you just got to be like, okay. Yeah. And just keep it moving. Yeah. Cause I think one of the most attractive qualities is growth. Cause what I think what you're talking about is growth mindset too. Of yeah, first, like, am I willing to admit that I have a problem? Like that's like recovery 101, but like, am I willing to grow? And when, when that, when whoever it is, whatever the issue is, if it's, if there's not a willingness to like, say like, I could be wrong about X, mm -hmm. then what are like, man, talk about a light, like an imprisoned life or relationship to be with yeah. someone who does, is unwilling to grow. Or unwilling to change. Like in the in the first part of my marriage, like Ange and my wife is amazing now, but she dealt with a lot of trauma with her family where like they like to argue, they they they're very prideful, they're very, you know, and I and all of them are doing growth. So I'm I'm saying this with the preface of this is 10 years ago, okay. Um but a lot of trauma from childhood that all of them are working through it. But one of those biggest things for my wife was an insane amount of pride and not wanting to be wrong 
And it was like, I'm talking about there'd be times where we didn't talk for days. Wow. Because she would just do something very like bad, say something bad. And I would be like super hurt and I would tell her and wouldn't talk for a day or two just because she's like, I'm right. Yeah. I'm right. Then she would eventually apologize. But in that time, I'm like, I am so not attracted. Like you you couldn't pay me to have sex mm -hmm. because there was no respect there. And I shut down when there's no respect. I shut down when there's not like, when I'm not a fan of the person. Mm -hmm. yeah. It didn't help. It didn't help that even when I was not saved and when I was out there wilding out, like I couldn't have sex with somebody if I tried to, like if I didn't know them. Mm. I've never had a one night stand. I've never had whatever. Because the one thing that to me that made the most attractive person is having a real connection. Yeah. That it was based on a friendship. So I've only ever been intimate, like with actual friends. Yeah. Man, I feel like I feel like Angela and I have similar personalities. You do. I remember one time being in this emotional intelligence training and one of the guys, one of the students was standing up and getting feedback and the coach was like reaming into him. And I was like, but he the, but the student is right. I can't remember what the exact thing was. And finally, the coach was like, what's the price you're paying for being right? Your wife doesn't want to be in a relationship with you. Your kids don't like you. You're running your business into the ground. Like, what's the price you're paying for being right? And that was kind of like the first time that I, I like kind of saw that. Definitely my knee-jerk reaction is still to be like, yeah, but one plus one equals two. So like whatever <laughs> she was like ignoring you about for those two days, I'm like, well, maybe she was really right. But it's like, what is the price that we're paying for being so committed to like being right. I had to learn that too, because I used to, I used to want to be right a lot until I realized I've, I just had to keep becoming a hypocrite because I would grow. God would show me things. And then I would look back and I'd be like, oh, I used to think that what an idiot. So then I'm like, maybe you should like not try to be right. And just let everybody know that you don't know what's going on, that mm. you're trying your best and check back with you in two years because you may be a completely <laughs> different person, which totally. is something that's a running line in my podcast. It's we don't give answers. We start conversations yeah. and then you get the answers on your own at your table. At our table, we're just presenting questions. We're presenting what we go through, but I don't have any right or wrong. Like mm. you could tell me I'm wrong a thousand times and I'll be like, okay, cool. I totally may be wrong. Check with me in a year. Check with me in a week because I'm constantly evolving. And, and to me, there's nothing more attractive or sexy than somebody who understands humility, mm -hmm. doesn't mind being humble. Oh yeah. my God, it's so unattractive for a woman to be fake strong. Oh, it is. It is so unattractive. What's fake strong? What is that? Fake strong is when you think that you're independent, but you're really just masquerading insecurity. Like you think you can do everything on your own, but you don't do anything great. You just do some things okay, but you still choose to do everything on your own. Fake strong is when you set goals, but you don't accomplish them because you don't need help from anybody else because to get help from somebody else is to, meet, is to admit that you're weak in areas, but you think you can do it all yourself. So it's just this insane amount of, of not real confidence, but just almost a mentality of depravity. Like no one's ever helped me. So I got to do it on my own. Yeah. I don't need a man. I don't need a whatever. And I'm just like, y'all are the, it's the worst ones. It's the worst ones. Cause you're, you will come crumbling down. You're all the walls you build will have to come down because you're going to recognize, no, you can't do it all on your own. And the only reason I know when I see it is because I used to think I can do everything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need anyone. I'm the best person in my circle. And I'm like, you are not. You are not the best person in it. You are the best at finding talent because every single person that I have found has surpassed me in their career, <laughs> which lets me know something. I'm like, oh, I'm not the guy. I'm the behind the scenes guy. Like, I, that's who I am because all these little people that were lower than me when I found them are now way past me. And that humbled me. Mm -hmm. And that humbled me into a place where I'm like, bruh, you don't. And there's no point in being right. And it's not sexy. It's just not. Yeah. Humility is sexy. 
As a culture, we're taught to do really kind of whatever it takes to advance our career. We'll invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into our education. We'll take intern jobs with little to no pay for the experience. If you're like me, you will have moved cross country multiple times to put yourself out there. But then with things like love, we say, oh, it'll just happen when it happens. And with things like, do I want kids or not? We say, oh, I'll think about that someday down the road. I'm focusing on me right now, or I'm working on my career right now. But what if we were just as intentional about our reproductive health and our fertility health as we were about our careers? The reality is women are having children later in life, but biology hasn't changed and we need tools to understand the future of our fertility. That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Now, traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash refined, you can get $20 off your test. Also, if you have HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars on Modern Fertility. You'll get insight into how many eggs you have, hormone levels, and other important fertility factors. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. If you want kids today or maybe one day in the future, you need information to make the decision that's best for you. So right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners at the Refined Collective $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash refined. That means you get the test for $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it would cost you at a doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash refined. Again, that's modernfertility.com slash refined. I have a question that I wanted to ask you from the Sex Life TV show. Yeah. Um, Okay. There's multiple scenes where they have sex in the water. Yep. And I'm so they have sex in the pool, Mm -hmm. which I'm like, first of all, there's there's the like, who doesn't pee in a pool? I haven't I haven't met a pool that I haven't peed in. I don't pee in pools. Okay. I feel like you're lying. <laughs> I don't. I own my own pool or I had my own pool and I never once peed you in it. You didn't pee in your own pool? No, it's my pool. I don't want to disintegrate. I'll pee in a lake. I'll pee in an ocean because there's natural filtration process. But <laughs> in my pool, there's no one coming to filter that out. Like it's going to take a while. I mean, so no, I take care of my pool. Well, that is good for you. I haven't met a pool that I haven't beat in. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self. I was uh, with my, I was with a friend. We were in the pool last weekend. We we're sitting there for like an hour and we we're about to get out. And she goes, yo, I've peed in here like 10 times. And I was like, oh, oh yes, totally God. me too. So mad. Totally me too. But okay, so pool sex. I'm like, okay, first of all, uh, bacteria, is that even a thing? Because honestly, until watching sex, I, watching sex life is the closest thing to porn I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. I've never watched porn. And like I told my girlfriend, I was like, oh, you should watch Sex Life. And she's like, you know, like she was watching it and she watches porn. And she was like, you're basically watching porn and you kind of brag about how you're so like ethical and you don't watch porn. Yeah, but it's a way better storyline than <laughs> Yeah, the like this side, it feels, there's definitely consent. They're getting paid. Okay, so at least we have the ethical thing going on. So I feel like I was learning a lot about positions. I was sure. like, oh, like I didn't even know that was an option. But my question is, is water sex like a real thing? Because that seems like, I don't, I feel like as a woman, how I don't know if that could be enjoyable. And then they did sex in the bath and they're just making a freaking mess. Why? Yeah. I'm like, who's who wants to clean up all that water spilling out of the bathtub? From what I've experienced myself, the thing with water sex is that um, the natural lubrication is is hard to maintain because it kind of dries it out. Mm-hmm. Like the, the water, it's like washing it away. So it, the friction gets really painful. At least when I... Yeah. you know, engaged. Like it, it became like, there's no moistness inside because there's constant water being like, pushed <laughs> in and then drained out. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's not sweet. 
because the, you know you, you can't if if that were the case then you can use water for lubricant yeah. Now there's water-based <clears throat> lubricants, mm-hmm. but you need the other stuff. You can't just use water. If you put water on your penis and try to go in, it'll be dry <laughs> in a second and it's going to be rough. It's going to yeah. hurt. Like try that. Yeah. It won't work. So it does, it does, it is a little painful. Now in the shower, it's different depending on if you have the, sh- like the water getting on your genital areas, mm-hmm. you know, you could be in a bathtub and, and, and get down if you're out of the water. Yeah. Some parts of you are in the water. Yeah. yeah. I'm also 5'10". And there, there are very few bathtubs that I can even like feel like right. I can lounge in. Uh, like I feel like I'm always like, like my knees are like halfway out of the water or like I have to stick a leg out. Like, Yeah. I've, I've never, I've never really preferred though. I mean, I like taking showers. I've done the shower things with people yeah. and yeah. I've, I've toyed with some things that people would do outside of the shower that mm-hmm. I would only do in the shower. Cause I know that people are clean in the shower, <laughs> like, cause I'm watching you and I'm cleaning you. So I'm like, sure. I'll venture into certain areas yeah. in the shower in the when shower. I, when I am, you're constantly being cleaned by this water. <laughs> Other than that, bruh, it ain't happening. It's not happening. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. There's also a scene in sex life that went viral yeah. On the interwebs, on the TikToks, on all the things. Episode three, minute 19, around 50 <laughs> seconds. I actually showed my mom this scene. We were at a restaurant and she just, oh, I actually recorded her reaction. I should put it up whenever <laughs> we, we do this, but it, it, um, it shows how big the guy's dick is. Yeah. It looks like an elephant trunk and it's scary. Full frontal. Yeah. But clearly he's very proud of it. I, I mean, that's the only way he's I would like, do hey. a front nudity scene is if I was like, there's no way anyone's going to think it's small. <laughs> see, <laughs> no I way. see that. And I was, I was like, I'm scared. Like, yeah. I like, and I think you had kind of mentioned this in our, like when we were pre-calling, you had said like, does size matter? Yeah, it was, you know, I, I I mean, I haven't been single for a while. And when I was single, I never thought about my size. I, ne- I never was like insecure about it, mm-hmm. you know, but in the internet age, in the age of like, like I was dating when we had pagers, you know what I'm saying? Like we weren't looking at stuff on phones. Like there was none of that. We're we were going calling each other from both ways. pain phones, you know, <laughs> like that's what we were doing. But now that you have access to things like that. Now that you have access to hear every girl's opinion, mm-hmm. now that you have access to a type of music that glorifies big penises and women that are like, yeah, this is where it's at, then now there's insane amount of pressure for dudes to have big penises, which is, you know, like I went into a sex store the other day and and the um, the whole wall, they had a whole wall of penis pumps. Wait, and those are like, real? The thing from Austin Powers? 1,000% real. A whole bunch of them. Like oh just gosh. had to elongate to whatever. And and I was like, man, the, the fear is real. real. The insecurity is real. And I, I questioned that uh, because it's like, man, does it really, does it really matter? I think, I think uh, anatomically, there's a big... You know, when you're with someone small, you don't need to be the biggest person. Mm-hmm. Like your 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 average is probably going to be big for that person. Mm-hmm. But then there's other really like people who have really been down that road, and and they're used to a big thing. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know. I'm not a girl, so I don't know the benefits of it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I'm I'm sure it can hit more places, but it can also hurt more. Yeah, I mean, the whole question on does size matters? Well, first. First of all, I have a story about Pete Davidson. Did you see his stand up on Netflix? No. Okay. He it's it's really funny. I really like it. And our last episode, we talked a lot about double standards, and he talks about this double standard between guys and girls. And he he talks about when him and Ariana Grande broke up, that she like went on the record and she just talked about how big his dick was and all this stuff and like bragged about all this sex that they had. And he's like, if I did that, like, I like wouldn't have a job right now. Like I wouldn't have this Netflix special. But he was like, honestly, I think that her doing that was like the worst thing she could have done for me. He goes, I don't have 
a big dick. Like, he's like, I'm tall. And she's like four feet tall. <laughs> like, he was like, so any, he's like, she's a poly pocket. So like anything seems big. And so what she has done is made it so that any other girl that I ever date has this expectation about yeah. my size and they're all going to be disappointed. <laughs> and he was like, she's a genius. Like, it, it's like a, a complete backhanded compliment that is going to not work well for me. Yeah. Um, which I, so I thought that was super funny, but about size matters. Like I, I have not had penetrative sex. So this is conjecture for me, but I have, you know, I spent seven years researching for my book. I've had thousands of conversations with people all over the world. I did this like femininity, like sexuality workshop with tons and tons of women. And one of the questions that we all like everyone talked about in that workshop was does you know, does size matter? Every girl had a different answer. Yeah. And I wish that we would talk about that more. And maybe that's what we're doing right here is, you know, to some girls in the room, they preferred a really small penis. Yeah. Because they're like, it, it, it doesn't, I don't, I don't need that. Or for other girls, they ha did have a preference. And then also so much of the overarching message was like, when you are choosing to be intimate with someone and you're in a long-term relationship, or I'm like viewing it through the lens of like marriage, you know, then you like you communicate and work with each other and, and see like what works and what doesn't with each other. And so like, it's, I feel like size matters to some people and then it doesn't matter to other people at all. It's definitely more emotional to me yeah. from what I understand. My friend yeah. Joe Coy has a, he's a comedian. He has a joke about it. He's like, I got a small dick, but I got a big bank account. <laughs> a big dick can't buy you a house. I can, you know, like, so he makes all those jokes and I'm like, that's so hilarious to me. Like I, I've never been insecure. Like I'm average. I, I'm, a, I'm average, you know, mm -hmm. but I think like now, like God forbid I ever end up back in the dating pool. I am fully a hundred percent thinking about it now. Now yeah. I'm like, damn it. Yeah. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Now I am in, I have to face this, this expectation that I didn't whatever, but then I fall back on, nah, I'm a good dude. Yeah. At the end of the day, like good heart, good, making somebody feel amazing and whatever. Like I think translates into better sex. Like you can have the biggest thing ever, but if you're a freaking asshole, like, yeah, it's not going to last. You may have two seconds of fun or two minutes of fun or whatever it is, but your relationship won't last on just good sex. And if it does, it's like, man, what a tragic, what a tragic relationship. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So kind of back to this like big question that the main character is asking in, in the show, you know, 85% of her life is everything she wanted and dreamed for. And now she's questioning the entire existence of it because of the 15% not being there. And for yeah. her, 15% is the like hot, amazing, thrilling, adventurous sex. And mm -hmm. honestly, like as a single person, there's like that like messed with me because I'm like, are my standards too high? Like am I in my in my mouth and in my head, I say I want someone who like, you know, shared values, shared faith, like growth mindset has integrity. Also, I want to be, you know, sexually attracted to them. Like if you don't want to have sex with a person and there's no chemistry, then aren't you're just friends and roommates, right? But I have, so I say that, but then I think watching this show made me realize that I do want that like passion and adventure and crazy sex more than I wanted to admit to myself. And so sometimes I've wondered, man, am I expecting too much? Like, what should I really be looking for? And have I bought into this, this lie or I, I think it's a, I think it's a lie to believe that we can have 100%, 100% of the time. Like yeah, kind of like agree. how I view it is maybe mar the sum of marriage is a hundred percent, maybe. And the different seasons will be different percentages and the whole of it at, at the end will end up to be a hundred percent. Like, well, this was like, this season was like 20% sex and like 80% work or, you know, you have toddlers running around. That's like 90% dirty diapers, you know? Yeah. 
to go into it with that kind of expectation, you're definitely setting yourself up to fail because you just don't know what's going to happen. Like if you really think that's what denotes a good marriage, then what happens if one of you get in an accident Mm -hmm. and to, to say, Oh, that's so far fetched. That's not, I know three people in my life right now where the other person, something happened to them and it affected them. Like one of our our closest friends, you know, that out of nowhere, husband has aneurysms and, Mm -hmm. and has to relearn how to walk, talk. So she, you know, she's raising to a kid and a husband because wow. he has to learn how to eat again, learn how to use the bathroom again, learn mm-hmm. how to do it. And he w- there's nothing crazy that happened. Just a, a freaking bursted uh, uh, claw in his head and had three of them and, and yeah. messed up everything. Yeah. Like if, if, if you deem marriage based just on, on what you don't, that 15%, you're always going to have that 50% with every person you're with because mm-hmm. can't no one person do everything. Yeah. It's yeah. very, it's very hard like to find one person that usually you mold into what you have chosen. Right. Yeah. So you start appreciating, <laughs> you let go of the list, you let go of all the expectations and you start appreciating everything you have. So like for me, like I always thought I was going to marry a white girl. I dated white girls for like 10 years. Cause I just love the, the surprise of a white girl who had soul, you know, like I thought it was so dope. And then I end up marrying a Mexican, which literally was probably at the bottom of my list of what I would marry. Like not even close to thinking that Mexican, big family, like doesn't like to dress up, doesn't like fashion, literally opposite of everything that I love and sought. Then being married for 11 years on a shallow level Am I still attracted to certain things? Yes, 100%, because there's just attractive people that I'm attracted to. On a deep and realistic level, I'm like, man, my wife is like my perfect compliment Mm. because all that other stuff I had before, but it never went anywhere. Why? Because I think I just had the 15%. Mm. I had what I thought I wanted. And they were hot and they were this and they were that. And not that my wife isn't hot, but you know what I'm saying? Like that specific checklist thing. Yeah. The fly white girl that had soul, that, yeah, that, all that crap, right? But only have 15%, so I can never go to the distance. Yeah. And now, like when, I, when I'm living real life, right? When I lose my job and my wife's holding me down, talking about, I'm like, babe, I'll go get a real job if I need to. Cause you know, my job's always been creative. I've, I've got signed and, and I did music for my whole life. Do I, I'm going to go get a real job. And she's like, why don't get a real job? I got you just heal and find out what God wants you to do next. Mm. Not one day of pressure, not one day of, you know, making me feel bad. Never just held me down until I, got the next record deal. Mm-hmm. And then when that fell apart, held me down until I got the next thing and the next thing and never once made me feel bad, just loved me and made me feel like the best thing ever. And I'm like, bruh, like, you know what I'm saying? Like I ain't giving up real love, authentic appreciation for anything, yeah. for no matter what hotness, no 15%. And I know that it's just shallow thinking because yeah you'll always find somebody hotter than the person you with. J. Cole has a song about it and he says it. He's like, there's always going to be a flyer, a flyer bit than one you got. There's always going to be a bigger house than what you got. There's always going to be nicer clothes than what you rock. There'll always be, always. Never going to be a time where you have everything, but you'll never be happy until you appreciate what it is that you do have. Yeah. Sometimes I've wondered... You know, I'm 36, single. I think I'm a freaking catch. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I I talk about this a little bit in my book, but I'm like, why are so many of us still single? Mm. You know, I I live live in New York City. There's a million and one single people, you know, Mm -hmm. and a part of a church here where 80% of the people here are single. And it's like, we're not in like a college town where of course everyone's single. These are people in their thirties and forties and just wanting to be in relationships. But why aren't we finding someone like, why isn't working? And I think what one, I think there's a lot of dynamics going on, but I wonder if like 
we've subconsciously bought into this lie that I I want the 100%. I want 100%, 100% of the time. And I want, basically, I want a person who is like the merging of 10 different people. I want right. someone who can make me laugh. I want someone who can hold me when I cry. I want someone who like gets my faith and understands that. I want someone who is ambitious. Like I yeah. want confidant, business owner. Like I want all these things. And I wonder like, are we, or have we bought into this idea that I don't even know if we're even alive to it fully, but I'm like, no one can like hold up to these standards. No, yeah. I th- and I think that's why polygamy is such a popular thing back in the days, right? Because you had one person for each use. Like I understand multiple partners now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Because when you're with one person and you recognize, oh, this person doesn't like all the things I like. They don't want to do all the things I want to do. So if I had this person that does and this person that does, and you make up one perfect person. Yeah. Like that's what it would take. It really would. It would take, okay, so this is the girl that I go with, you know, when we want to do activities because she loves sports. My mm-hmm. wife hates sports. So we're going to, you know, I, I'm going to go to games with her. And I'm going to go whatever. And then this girl loves to work out. My wife doesn't really work out with me. So I'm going to go have all my workouts with her and then everything else I'm going to do with my wife. Then boom, that makes a perfect one person. But if you try to expect it in one person, I don't, I think that's a very unfair expectation because you're not a hundred percent of everything that they want. Yeah. Are you firing on all cylinders? You know what I'm saying? So that's that's why I understand people's argument for having multiple people because they're probably in a place mentally where it's like, I want different things that I understand not one person Mm. can give me. The reason why I think there's more women single now than ever is because A, there's more availability for women. There's more good women. There are good men. Uh, This is from my life study. All right. So when I went to Bible college, it was like two, three women to every one guy. Mm -hmm. So whether you were a good looking guy or not, your odds are always in your favor because they only have a limited pool to choose from. As I started touring in churches, I started seeing, oh, wow, there are way more women in churches than there are men. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to look for a quote unquote godly relationship, you have less of a choice. Because there's always more women in churches than there are men, like by a significant amount. So couple that with technology and men having the ability to choose, having access, knowing the double standards that we talked about before, where you ain't got to be the cutest guy in the room. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be the most in fit. You know, you just got to have certain means. And that's what all the women want. You don't see women talking about, man, I can't, I would, you know what I want? I want a plumber and I just want him. You know what I'm saying? Like if I can get a plumber, I'll be so happy. No, no, every woman, sorry, I don't want to, I don't want to do a, 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 most women that I've spoken to want a successful man. They just, that's what they want. That's what we push. That's the narrative. Get you that, that man. Unknowing that like less than 10% of men in America make more than six figures. And if you're trying to get like a high earning man, like three, four, five hundred thousand a year, that's like 0.001% of men. Now you're talking about men who have options because they know they're the 0.001 and they got 99% of the women that want them. So if that be the case, you're not competing just against you or your friend. You're competing against every available person in this country who may stack up <laughs> because this is literally how dudes look at it. How hot is she? How hot is she? What baggage comes with her? What baggage comes with her? Does she have more in common than I? Yup. Mm-hmm. Is she more agreeable? Because most men choose based on agreeableness. Not I am like, not agreeable. <laughs> but most men at that caliber, they want someone agreeable mm-hmm. because they're I've not used that. to somebody being like, oh, I'm independent. I do what I want. Okay, cool. Go get somebody else. Because I've got this high. I got this successful by people doing what. I want. Mm -hmm. So I'm already accustomed to being right in most rooms. Mm -hmm. And most people do what I say. I specifically have come against this with my wife because she is the top dog in her world for so long that when I come in, she's used to everyone doing what she says. So we had like a little bit of a 
banging of heads. Mm -hmm. So I can only imagine a man who has the of wanting to be right and on top also being successful. He, they mainly prefer agreeable women who will just fall in line. For sure. I've said for so many years now, and there's, oh my gosh, Ali Wong was in this movie on Netflix and oh my gosh, what is it called? I can't remember. But she says, guys say they want a strong woman, but they really want a cheerleader. Mm -hmm. And, or she said something along those lines. And I have felt that so much. I'm like, oh man, all these people who are married and then here's me, I'm single. Why am I single? And like I said, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think dating can be like being on the episode of The Bachelor, like 20 amazing women to like one okay guy. And, and I realized like, wow, like they're all like, yes, women. Like a lot of these women were like, yes, women. And, and if I push back at all, or if I have my own opinion and, you know, I've gotten to know this guy over the, over COVID. And one of the, what stood out to me about him, as opposed to all these other guys that I dated was he, one of the first things he said, he's like, I love how you have opinions about everything. Like, he's like, I love how much of a feminist you are. And I was like, like what? Like guys hate this about me. Guys hate that I have strong opinions and it shouldn't be that way. I don't, I wouldn't say it shouldn't. It just means that they're not the ones for you. That's right. You're right. Cause it yeah. should be that way for a lot of people because there's, it works. Relationships are just a contract. That's all it is. It's, it's marriage and relationships is a contract. What are you bringing? What am I bringing? Is it worth to sign the dotted line? <laughs> yes or no? That's, that's literally all it is. Okay. You make a lot of money. I want a lifestyle that, provi- that is provided by a lot of money. I will give up this, this, and this for that. You can cheat a little bit. You don't have to pay me too much attention. Get me what I want. Make sure I'm always in this. Kind of be nice to me and I'm in. Are we cool with that? Cool. That's all it is. It's an agreement. Some people over romanticize it, which is what the West has done mainly. But for history, relationships and and marriages were more business contracts than romance. So to this day, even though we over over do it with the romanticism, it all comes down to a contract of what am I willing to be okay with? Because we both know we're imperfect people. What am I willing to be okay with? Is what you bring to the table worth it for me to give up on the things that I think I want or say that I want? And that's it. For me, I love strong women with an opinion, but I also know that I, the caveat of that is that they come with a lot of pride and you're gonna have to argue them into submission. And not submission like a manly submission. I really don't like what you're saying right now. (laughs) What I'm saying is that like, so in the previous episode, there was a trigger, right? Happened, made you feel a certain type of way. 15 minutes of conversation, self-realization, then come to a realization of like, oh, now I see what you're saying. It makes sense now. So when I say argue into submission, there's going to be arguments within the relationship that you think you're on opposite sides, but really you're on the same side. It's just that you hear a trigger word that makes you think you're on the opposite side, but really you're saying the same things. It's going to take an argument or a tough discussion to realize we're on the same side. I'm just not used to hearing it this way. But we're really on the same side. We really do believe the same things. I've just been accustomed to thinking on my own. So when there's a an apparent or it feels like there's an opposite opinion of mine, my first response is to defend myself. When really at the end of the day, we both want the same things. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's learning to listen and even come up with a common language. So as a as a woman who was uh, objectified and oppressed so long from the church by words like submission, or you just need to respect your man, like when you when you say those words, like well, like I just you know when she needs to respect me or you know argue argue her into submission, like I'm immediately going to shut down to that because those words have been weaponized against me in my existence as a woman. And so I think it's also figuring out how can we come up with a common language that works so that like we don't shut down. Wait, question. Do you think then the problem is the language or do you think it's the person delivering the language? Because I think that's a that's a big difference because those words in and of themselves don't have the negative connotation that that is prescribed 
It's the person who used them and how they use them is where the negativity comes from. Because it can't be the words. The words don't mean those things. Like submission is a beautiful thing. Like I submit to my wife all the time. Love it. Right. So to answer your question, I would say that's a both and. And it's not just about who is the one person who talked to me about submission. It's we live in a patriarchal culture. We live in a patriarchal society where and you add layers on on top of that of, you know, being growing up in Christian culture, being like being even how we talked about going to Bible school and women being taught different things about equality. So I think there's been this a message, not just from one person, but from a lifetime, four lifetimes, four hundreds, and if not thousands of years of a message that we've been given as women, like to submit and be quiet and be mousy. And so, and so, yeah, I think it's the, it's the message, it's the person giving the message and it's the, the societal norms of the message. So do you think submission is bad or wrong? I think because of the trauma that I have experienced from the church, that sub, that word submission feels really hard for me. So it, it I initially shut down to it. Same with purity. Mm-hmm. Like, and I've talked about this in my book and on different podcasts when people are like, so do you think purity still matters? I'm like, I just have to adjust the word because the word still holds so much hurt and pain for me. Do I believe like God like cares about my actions and what I do or do not do. Yes. Do I believe that there are ways that I can like honor myself, honor, honor God with my body and my sexuality? Yes. But because that word has been used in such a way to hurt me, it's like, I still am not totally over it. So I think I'm similarly with submission. I think mutual submission is beautiful. Like we're both Mm -hmm. like serving one another, but I think, it can, it can easily be a very triggering word for me. And I would say for a lot of women who grew up in the Christian context that I grew up in. Right. So I wouldn't use the word without showing all the action. Mm -hmm. So I'll gladly submit myself to you before I ever even use that word. I don't even really have to use that word. I show it. Like I'm, I'm a submitter. Like I love to submit myself to my wife because I love her and I don't think it's demeaning. I don't think it's whatever. I think I trust putting myself under her in the sense of like, I want her to have an opinion in my life. Mm -hmm. So I submit from like what clothes I buy to what car I buy to whatever. Like if she says, take it back, I'm like, okay. I I literally, I I won't even argue with her. Yeah. Well, we could have a whole other long conversation about submission. Oh my God, we should. Maybe we should. But yeah, just recap Sex Life, the TV show. So many, watch it. it, So many good nuggets. I feel like I've learned so much just about like subconscious expectations that I didn't know that I still had. Mm -hmm. And just what are my priorities? What are my non-negotiables? Um, the 85% versus the 15%. So yeah. Wait, watch it if you don't struggle with visual stuff. Yes. If you do struggle with visual stuff and porn and all that stuff, then don't watch it. Yes. Read the cliff notes. Good, good caveat. That's what I say to my friends. Yeah. I'm like, if you struggle with like porn or if that is like not a good thing for you, then don't watch it. I'll just tell you about yeah, it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, Manuel, this was good. Good to chat with you. Another yes. great conversation. <laughs> Man, I haven't had a podcast guest on the podcast, I don't know, maybe ever or for a while that challenges me the way that my conversations with Manuel challenges me. You can hear, you know, we get heated sometimes and I think that that is good and beautiful. As I think about our conversation and as I think about the show Sex Life, and again, it's not a show for everyone. It might be triggering for some or the visual stuff might be too much, but overarching, I think what I just want to be curious about for myself and what I want to invite you into is what is it that you're really looking for in a relationship? Is it possible, even if it doesn't feel this way on the front, if you really did some soul searching and digging, do you really want someone to fulfill 100% of all the things you want 100% of the time? And is that fair? Is having 85% of everything you wanted enough if those are the things that are your non-negotiables? 
I think marriage is complicated. Relationships are complicated and being human is hard. Can I get a witness on that? All that to say, I feel so challenged by the show, so challenged by this conversation to keep being curious with myself. Am I looking for marriage to fulfill too much? Am I looking for one person to meet the role that only 10 different people could meet? How can we be curious about our own lives and our own standards in such a way that allow us to grow? I hope you enjoyed this second installment of the He Said, She Said series with Manuel Reyes. Be sure and check him out on iTunes. His podcast is called Nights at the Roundtable. He does his podcast with his wife, Angela, and their friend, Brandon. It is wonderful. They talk about everything from deconstruction to faith to relationships, pretty much any heated topic they will talk about on their podcast. All right, next week is the final installment of our He Said, She Said series. If y'all are liking this, please let us know. Let us know on the DMs at The Refined Woman. Do you want us to do more of these? Are you sick of us talking about the he said, she said stuff? We want to hear from you. But get ready for next week. We are talking about infidelity. Is cheating the unforgivable sin? So stay tuned for that. Bye for now.